Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko, and this is my podcast, so we saw that. Welcome, welcome back. And as you can tell by the title, it's going to be talking about what it means to be to being careful what we wish for, essentially, like to be careful what we wish for. And I decided to speak on this because I feel like as Christians, we can be somewhat insecure in our relationship with God, not necessarily in a pick-me sort of way, but more so like we look outside of our relationship with God and our community of God with with fellow believers and our community of God and look to the world to kind of find some sort of security and answers for the things that don't necessarily make sense to us or kind of plan ahead outside of you know obeying the Bible which in this case in terms of planning ahead would be in direct contradiction to um Jesus's request in Matthew 6 where he says you know don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have its own worries today's trouble is enough for today that's you know, just a, just, just a rough example of that. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of speak on this and it kind of has like this um, long decade, not decades long, but like it's just like a red line through the entire story of the Bible and it's very context heavy. So I'm going to try my best to explain everything and Holy Spirit willing, I shall make this point very concise and to the point so that it makes sense to us. So getting right into it, I'm going to be reading from First Samuel eight and just some context for this basically samuel was one of the greatest um men of god that were called by god and you know if you hear his story about how the circumstances around his birth and who he was and how he grew up and everything it just makes him so like righteous in his calling like you know everybody that was called by god was obviously righteous but i think with samuel from from birth even before being conceived his mom said she she would dedicate him to to god and that's just something that i think even you know as gen z become parents i think we should be doing that doing that baby dedication and dedicating our children to god just as a bit of a side note and so at the age of i think two after he was weaned she basically just for layman's terms gave up for adoption and um he grew up in the he grew up in the um in the um temple and he was so set apart even in his youth that the um, Eli's sons the basically his predecessor his his sons were corrupt and you know nothing like Samuel and I think in one of the chapters it mentions their um moral flaws and then it says meanwhile Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord kind of setting him apart already even just in the language that's being spoken and so he moved in this in this righteousness and in the previous chapter he led Israel to victory and he was really just such a pivotal character in the Bible especially since later on he's the one that actually anoints David and he's the one you know obviously through the line of David we have Jesus so I think he you know if we're discussing all these major prophets or men of God we should also include Samuel because he played such a big role especially when it came to obedience to God and just being so convicted to serve God. I think Samuel was just one of those guys that just was like from inception or from the mention of his being, he was just so righteous because of what the mom did. And yeah, I think that's why when it comes to parents and like, you know, Gen Z being parents, I'm not a parent, so, you know, I don't have to go as hard. But like, um, um, I think when it comes to being parents one day, we should be dedicating our children and also leading an example to them of what it means to live a godly life so that they too can, you know, not just 
know about it in theory but actually follow our footsteps you know because aside from um his mom samuel's mom um being this very dedicated woman to say okay and this a woman of her word like say if, if this happens i'll dedicate him to to you lord and that's what she did also eli you know she had samuel had to learn from someone and that was essentially his parental figure and you know i think that goes to show that we should also look to our spiritual mothers and fathers like our mentors and um people that basically bring us up and it doesn't necessarily have to be our parents but it could even just be our pastors our youth leaders anybody else we need to look to them and respect them for what it means to lay lay down their lives as a living example what it looks like to follow after god so yeah that's just a bit of context to our surrounding samuel getting into for samuel 8 so basically israel's requesting a a, a king and we're going to go from verse 1 and see how this goes from verse 1 to 9, essentially. So it says, As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to, ju- to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his eldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders in Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, this is verse five. Look, they told him, you are, you are now old and your, son, your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Verse seven, do everything that they, they, that they say to you, the Lord replied, for they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me as their king no longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they continually abandoned me and follow their gods. And now... They are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. And this is crazy. Like, if you know um, everything that happens after this moment, like, the lines of kings, if you read, like, first kings, it basically chronicles, like, the reign that these kings had from this particular request. Like, you hear, um, oh, they did like the the Bible has such repetitive um, phrasing, especially in First Kings, it would be like, "Oh, he did everything that was displeasing to the Lord's side," or he did some, he did everything that was pleasing to the Lord's side, and then he did this that went against the Lord, and he died. Like it just goes back to back to back, going from each king, basically from father to son to son, basically just like going down the ancestry until it gets to Jesus, essentially. And I say, being careful what we wish for is important because obviously actions have consequences but in this in this scenario this ultimately affected the rule and the way the people of israel are going to be led by these leaders because leadership is very important because like i mentioned with samuel's um spiritual father eli and he and his mom being leaders in his lives those people basically shaped who he was especially eli because he basically grew up with samuel and so, and it's interesting, just a side note, that even Eli's sons were um, corrupt in a sense. And that was actually in direct juxtaposition to Samuel. I believe there's a verse that says like, oh, they grew up, you know, corrupt and everything. And then it says, meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Like just setting him apart is even in the language. And so I think that being like kind of like a quote unquote hereditary thing that Samuel learned from Eli like oh his sons were corrupt my sons also corrupt like say like that's so crazy how 
like hereditary things can be passed down like subconsciously and that aside i think this request was pivotal because if you don't know prior to this like god was saying the lord was saying to samuel here that you know they want the king now like they don't want me as their leader anymore and if you look at the story of exodus the lord was their leader he gave them a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day he was the leader he was taking charge he was the one that was speaking through moses he was the one that was speaking you know giving instructions through moses speaking through Aaron, and he was essentially the one that was the grand master essentially and for them to reject god or the lord in this sense was a huge offense because as the lord had said in verse 9 like do as they ask but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them he knows the deep burden that it means to lead he knows that it's a big responsibility and in comes saul so saul essentially came from a very affluential family he was wealthy he think of like think of like a rich influential person in like politics essentially he comes to lead the land and every um a nation and stuff like that and he's he, he starts off okay he's okay he's you know doing what he needs to do and it looks like the leaders must have been like oh yeah we we made a good request then he he cracks he sins obviously he's a human being he disobeys god the lord says oh destroy everything in this land and he keeps the king yes it might may, may not have seen significant but we have to remember that the Lord in at this point in time, this is the time of the Mosaic law. This is the time when God is strict. He's always been strict. He's righteous. We must know that about God. He's a loving God. But this is the time when the, in the context of the Bible for us human beings, you know, existing at that time, this is the time when the Mosaic law is basically just, you know, freshly being presented, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. And we didn't know that God so loved us that he sent his only son at that point, at this point in time. So to go against God's will and not repent for it, especially not going through the cleansing and the sacrifice, the, the sin sacrifice and all the other things that was like punishable, I guess, by it's very intense sin, you know, going against God's will. That's why he, he handpicked the people that would lead you know, the people that he would lead through, he handpicked Moses. He had, he, through Moses's request, he chose Aaron. And in this case, he, he set Samuel apart. I don't think people realize the amount of responsibility that God put on these people, these men of God. Even when we look in the New Testament, we look at like Paul, um, New Testament Paul, like new testament um saul who becomes paul that's a lot even he himself talks about the burden that what that it was to basically be this apostle even jesus himself himself spoke about how you know the, the they will say worse things to you because you're my followers you know a lot of all of the apostles except for john they went through the most excruciating deaths as martyrs all because they took up their cross and they followed him. So I wanted to emphasize on that because I feel like when we look at leadership and who God um, appoints, it's very, it's very intentional. It's very, very, it's a very, very heavy burden 
You know, that's why when, when we look at good leaders, we look at their work ethic, we look at their, um, their ability to put themselves last for the sake of the team or for the sake of the um, assignment or mission. And so going into the details here, um, when we look at verse four and them asking for a leader, I think this was them worrying. You know, they were saying, look, you know, you are now old, number one, you're old, going to die soon, essentially, and your sons are not like you. So there's no heir who is righteous enough to take over. We are scrambling for a leader. So give us a king like all the other nations have. Why are people looking to nations to measure up their, to measure their righteousness or to measure how they live? Why do we as Christians look to the world to see how we should live? If this was, since this was, since they said other nations, this means that these are pagan nations. When you are looking to pagan things, when you're looking to the world, you're comparing yourself to them. You are coveting what they have instead of looking to God because God has never left his people. He has never abandoned them to say, well, I'm not going to send a leader, leader y'all. Y'all are just going to have to dug it out on your own. Even in the wilderness, he, he always had leaders in that season. Even in Egypt, he sent Moses. We have all these other minor people that are sent by God. You know, we have Gideon. We have all these other people. Nehemiah, we all have all these other people. He never abandoned them. So why would he start now? When we look at our lives and we aren't satisfied with where we are, and we start thinking, well, and let me just ask for this. You know, Lord, just do this. Let's just take this, this shortcut because I'm worried now. We are not trusting in God's ability to provide for us, essentially. It sounds harsh, but I personally have felt that like when I'm worrying, when I'm stressing and I'm, you know, looking to the world like, oh, this person did this. I'm subconsciously saying, Lord, I don't trust you. you you've never provided for me. So I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm going to figure it out on my own. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying when I, when I decide to do that. And the people, the, the elders of Israel were doing this. That's why the people that we surround ourselves with are very important the people that we esteem as elders and stuff like that, just because they're older than you doesn't necessarily mean that they are wiser. Yes, it was wise to, you know, look out for the future of Israel, but it doesn't mean it has to come at the cost of doubting God's ability to, to take care of Israel, you know? So when we are looking at our elders, I'm not saying disrespect them because we need to respect people that have come from previous generations, obviously, but I'm just saying that, if it's ungodly, take it with a grain of salt. Be kind and say, oh, okay, but consult the Lord. Let's be like Samuel here. He, said, he was displeased as verse 6 says, and he, and he went to the Lord for guidance. When we are having intrusive thoughts, for example, about what we should do, maybe, oh, I should, let me start an OnlyFans, you know, let me actually, you know, people make lots of money. Those are intrusive thoughts. Or if you're actually thinking about that, and it's ungodly. We should be displeased and we must go to the Lord for, for guidance. Look at how he immediately went to the Lord. He didn't ponder about it on his own. He didn't take matters into his own hands. That's the juxtaposition between him and Saul. Saul, he, he, he did whatever he wanted. He did not follow the Lord's instructions. You know, and that's the difference between him and Saul, um, him and Samuel and also Saul and David, the second king who comes after um, Saul. And I think we should be comfortable in the face of everything or anything to go immediately to God. Immediately. 
whether we are contemplating things, whether we are even having that doubt, even if we're, if we're saying, Lord, I don't trust you, we should go back to him and say, Lord, I need your guidance. I feel like, you know, this is good for me, but what, what are you saying about it, Lord? What do you have to say? And look, we, most of us or some of us may not have a, you know, a direct conversation with the Lord like this, like how Samuel was having it, but we will, God is faithful in us to give us an answer. Why would he want us to go into going to the lion's den essentially without some sort of guidance? Even with Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, you know, the Lord watched over him. So it, and that's, and in the metaphorical sense, why wouldn't he give us guidance in the lion's den? Like literally speaking, why wouldn't he give us wise counsel in the face of big decisions or life changes why wouldn't he give us that we have his word we have um godly counsel we have um the holy spirit the holy spirit will give us convictions he will give us confirmation and, and stuff like that especially um convictions and um guidance through the spirit you know i think also aside from that we also have to be completely willing and obedient enough to accept whatever god says i'm not saying that because you go go to the Lord and you say, oh Lord, what do you think is going to give you what you want? We have to be prepared to, to receive a no, if that's what the Lord is saying. We have, to be, we have to be prepared to go on the upstream. Most of the time as Christians, we're going to have, we're going to be faced with instructions from the Lord that are going to make us uncomfortable. I remember just a few days ago, I was planning on fasting. And I, was, I, I was going to make it like, oh, I'll fast from 12 to 12. The Lord was like three days straight. The Holy Spirit was like, no, three days straight continually. I was like, Holy Spirit, this is going to be hard. And I'm not going to lie, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, faith-wise. And, you know, I had to be obedient. There were times I wanted to quit so many times. Even the first day, I was like, okay, I'm going to break this at six in the evening. The Holy Spirit was like, nope. Through like a message that my mom was listening to, she was listening to this man, I was like, yeah, witchcraft is, can be, as a, as a sign of witchcraft, you can be disobedient to the Lord's word. I'm like, whoa. Okay, the Lord is the Lord is speaking to this man, so I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna um listen, I'm just gonna listen to him and complete this fast. And although I feel refreshed, it was definitely a hard decision that I had to um obey. And I'm using that as example to say that sometimes it will make us uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't even want to. I even said, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. My body is shutting down on me. And you know. I felt comfort. I literally, I literally went to him in that uncomfortable state and I, and I received a sense of encouragement through my family, through prayer and stuff like that. And I ended up completing the fast without breaking it or going against the Holy Spirit. And that's, I think, how I would love to be all the time, completely obedient to the Holy Spirit. And we're human and you know, most of the time we will fail. And, you know, that's why we have God's grace, not to abuse, but to be aware of, you know, to steer clear away of condemnation. So coming back to Samuel, going to, going to God for guidance in, as opposed to just wishing for things blindly and just going with the flow, essentially. That's why I don't necessarily like going with the flow. I like to consult you know, people and stuff like that. And in this case, we should be consulting God, number one. Going, go, consulting God over just blindly wishing on things is one of the most fundamental ways to live as a Christian. 
We cannot just compare ourselves to worldly people and the ways of the world without saying, Lord, I feel this way, help me. We need to be that dependent and that humble enough to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I feel this way, help me. Do you know how humbling that is? Like most of the time as human beings, we want to have it all figured out. No, we've got this. Oh, I've been here before. But to depend on the Lord like a baby is the most humbling experience ever. Even in this fast, sticking with my fast example, I have to depend on the Lord carrying me every hour, every like, it went from like every 12 hours, every six hours to every hour, even down to minutes of the fast. I was like, Lord, help me. One thing that this fast taught me was dependence on God. And so coming back to um, Samuel here and what the Lord said, for they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me as their king no longer. Imagine how God felt in that moment, or the Lord felt in that, in that moment to have delivered. I'm not necessarily saying this as a guilt-tripping mechanism, but just genuinely speaking, like he delivers this nation from slavery. He provides for them daily, you know, as we know, as we know from the manna and the water from the rock. He makes sure they have a land to conquer and they, they live stably. They live in um, instability, I, I beg your pardon. And in the very end, essentially, they say, yeah, we are worried for the future. Give us a king. We don't want you anymore, essentially. And I think it was must have been really heartbreaking. And how many times do we do that to God? How many times do we say, Lord, your will just doesn't seem as satisfying as what would have happened? What, could, what, what, what I could get from the world, you know? Your will doesn't necessarily feel as gratifying or, you know flesh feeding as you know the world's the world's um ways are you know and unfortunately that's just our sinful nature and as human beings as people who are born from adam you know directly we will 99.9 percent .9 of the time sin sin against god even just in our thoughts in our ways or in our ways of consulting him which could be through comparison and you know, it's unfortunate as, as, as the truth is. So yeah, moving on, I think going into the context now and what this meant essentially. So like I mentioned with Saul, his rule was very much so, I would say kind of like wasted potential, like where he started out okay. And then he started getting jealous of of David started moving very crazy and it all started with his first strike of disobedience to God going against the the grain with uh, the going against the grain that the men of God prior to him had always followed which was obeying God and that was I think the first sign that this was going to be a different type of authority because prophets and men of God were completely different from kings historically speaking Yes, the prophets and the men and the kings had a lot of overlap. They were basically top heads and everything. They kind of were very much so in the admin and um, legislative parts of ruling the land. But I do think that kings had a more um, secular dip to them, where by that I mean they had a lot of procedures. They, you know, 
they were more esteemed in a prideful sense. Not necessarily saying that they were prideful, but I feel like there was more room for them to be prideful because since this like reign of kingship came from a place of a secular demand of and them looking to the secular world, obviously they would reign in you know secular customs basically the way the world reigns versus prophets and men of god they were people who directly communicated with god they were people that were kind of like brought up by god or called by god directly you know to be a king essentially you could have just been the son of the previous king that's what first first kings first and second kings is about like the son of this guy you know messes up or he does well 90% of the time 90% of the kings messed up and so I think in the sense of what that means for us we should be careful of we should be careful not to ask for things that have a secular dip to them meaning that it's it may be a genuine ask like lord I feel this would be good for me but it may have been coming from a place where we looked to someone in the world and that was a secular dip. That was us looking to a secular person and how they're doing things and saying, yeah, I want exactly that. When we don't even know what that person has done to get there. We don't even know what kind of things are following them, you know, like life is genuinely spiritual. And I think at consciousness enough, that's why I really do stress the importance of going to God for, for guidance you know, because we never really know what we're asking God for until it's too late. Like, I feel like if the elders of Israel had known that the lineage that would come after these kings, and that's including, you know, David's lineage, like the people, obviously, because David wasn't Saul's son, that everybody that comes, even David himself, like David and all the kings up until Jesus all of them had fallen into sin because everybody falls short of, of, of God's glory. We all sin and fall short. That's just our human nature. But for us as Christians, we have hope. Jesus was the last Adam, as Paul put it. He was the second Adam and he was the last one. Meaning that he ended the, the death of sin. And he resurrected for us. And he was resurrected for us in order to have new life. So we don't necessarily have to live in a life of sin. So on top of asking God for guidance, we should be hopeful that, hey, you know what? I don't have to live this way because Jesus died for me. I am a new creation. I am, I am an heir through, I'm, I'm, I'm an heir of heaven. I am a child of God, literally a child of God with Jesus and my older brother. So I don't necessarily have to live that way. We don't necessarily have to, fix our minds to the way these kings were so yeah i hope this makes sense and i didn't want to make this too long because i feel like my content these days has been like really really long especially coming from the devil's temptations um episode, episode that one was really really long so yeah i just wanted to kind of touch on that uh, hopefully this makes sense and yeah i think this is very interesting because as i'm studying first samuel i kind of have stopped for a bit because i had a lot of life things happening but i think studying first samuel and kind of trying to get to the origin of jesus and his genealogy essentially it's been very interesting and this is one of the many lessons that i've learned coming out of this and hopefully i can provide more from my studies when i get back to them <laughs>
hopefully soon and just kind of see how this applies to modern day life because I feel like I, I kind of see this a lot but like Solomon or whoever wrote Ecclesiastes was so right in saying that nothing has changed nothing is new under the sun like genuinely people might say this is new but this is the same as it's always been like these requests and this way of thinking yes the requests and the you know the actual asks are very dated but I do think that the the mindset and the kind of way of life is still the same in us because we still do look to the world for things we still um compare ourselves like I I won't even lie like I'll be like oh that, that person's doing better numbers than me well I wish I had a Spotify deal exclusive deal like that like I would think like that I'm like no I haven't consulted the Lord in this I haven't even thought about why the Lord has me like this why he has me in this in this particular you know space and I think aside from asking God for guidance I think we do need to stop and think and say wait is this is this actually godly what I'm asking is or is, or is this just my flesh or my secular nature um working and saying oh let's chase numbers let's do this you know just stopping and thinking about whether or not this is righteous or unrighteous is also very important as a bit of a side note from personal experience so yeah thank you so much for listening i love you and most importantly the lord loves you also don't forget to spend individual time with god it's very very important we need to be spending uh one-on-one time with god read your bible meditate on scripture worship instrumentals worship music please guys genuinely Let's spend our individual time with God. But bye. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted christians support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes two minutes a day just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshiping god and to continue following jesus thank you